this is Karis Ryan and welcome to Teach Me in 20. Each week I'll release a new podcast where I get to speak with awesome people who have something new to teach me that I know nothing about. If, like me, you're naturally curious about everything, this could be the podcast for you. So come along for the ride. It'll only cost you 20 minutes. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Teach Me in 20. Today we're joined by Adam Dina. Adam is going to teach us all about Ramadan, which of course just wrapped up earlier this month, and also share with us more insight into the Islamic faith. Adam, welcome to Teach Me in 20. Thank you very much. Thanks for being here. So you caught my interest because you were a participant in Ramadan. That's correct. So tell us all about that. Why do people do it? I know it's about the Islam faith. Yes, so basically Ramadan is a month on the Islamic calendar. It's um, a month in which Muslims are prescribed to fast from sunrise to sunset. Okay. Um, like I said, it's just the month is based on the lunar calendar, so it's one month on the lunar calendar. And in the Quran, which is the book of the Muslims, you might say, um, it prescribes Muslims to fast during that time. Um, many different reasons for it, many different benefits, but essentially it's just a, um, a command of God in which Muslims follow. And from what age do you partake in that? So generally speaking, young kids can, can try it out, although it's not obligatory for them to do it. Normally you would start fasting when you've hit puberty okay. or beyond then. So then. And of course there are other exceptions. So for example, if you're sick, if you're pregnant, um, if you can't do it for whatever other, other sort of sickness, you're excused from that as well if you're old, for example. So it's an able-bodied human that can do it, okay. generally speaking. So when, so basically you set your alarm and you're allowed to eat before the sun rises? Yeah, so the pre-morning meal is called suhoor. Mm-hmm. And normally I set my alarm for about an hour before, an hour and a half before. I get up, um, I have something to eat substantially. Yeah. Some people have <laughs> some people have some people have just a glass of water. I mean I know a lot of people will just have a glass of water and a date and then that's it. But a date. Yes, a single date and a glass of water and they can survive the whole day. Um, okay. but it depends where you are because obviously for me doing the work that I do, I normally have a big bowl of porridge or whatever. But contrary to popular belief, we don't sit there and stuff ourselves crazy. I was going to say, is that why you wake up an hour before no. just one hour <laughs> no, degustation? No, no way. No, no, not like that. No, not like that. It's more just uh, more just because I just take ages to wake up. That's okay. why I wake up an hour before. And when you, at four o'clock in the morning, you hardly feel like eating, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. So I just, yeah, don't stuff myself crazy, but I do stuff myself a bit sometimes. And then just use that time, a lot of time, for sort of tranquility and prayer and stuff like that. So, yeah. So it's not just, I guess, the fasting component. Mm. It's the spiritual, I guess. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's what gets us through it, really. Uh, the spiritual component's massive. Um, so it's kind of like a reboot month. Okay. So for the rest of the year. Oh, um, like a cleanse. Like a cleanse. And okay. not, not just a physical cleanse, but like I said, a spiritual cleanse. In the mm. Ramadan, for example, you're not supposed to argue with people. Uh, if people argue with you, I go with you. Generally, supposed to tell them no. I can't argue because it's Ramadan. So I could have really annoyed you, you last month, and massively you massively annoyed me, and I couldn't have said anything. <laughs> I couldn't have said jack nothing. So yeah. And the rules with it. So it's completely no eating and I believe no drinking. No so you eating, can't no even no have water. No, can't even have water. So my initial reaction was. Is this safe? Because mm. as humans, we, I mean, we need at least water. Of course, yeah. So, I mean, look, generally speaking, it's only for a month. Okay. And it's, it's uh, like I said, if you, if you drink water at the start of the day and you obviously hydrate during the night, then I suppose the body is naturally supposed to fast. So we have this, um, human beings are not supposed to consume as much food as we do. Yeah, we have three meals a day, but the reality is our body actually 
needs doesn't necessarily need to use or need to have all that food. Mm-hmm. We generally utilize that food because we want to gain muscle or we want to become bigger or whatever, or we're just quite greedy. But generally speaking, you never we have actually, too much cake, really. No, let's well, be honest. No, you sure about that cake? <laughs> yeah, you sure about that? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's just it's. I think it's a lot safer than it is. And like I said before, if you're not able to do it because of whatever reason, you don't have to do it. Yeah. Um, so long as you're safe. So are you, um, I guess, drinking a lot before you're going to sleep? So you've yeah. eaten once yeah. the sunrise so, and sunset? Yeah. And then... I'm, I'm drinking a fair amount. Um, I'll probably drink maybe, I don't know, just under a litre sort of thing before. And then afterwards you sort of hydrate during the night. Yeah. Um, for me, I find that if I don't drink enough in the morning, by the time 3, 4 o'clock, four o'clock comes along, I'm getting headaches. Yeah. So it's really important for me to do that as well. Do you lose weight on it? Is yeah, it, I lose about three kilos, three, four kilos. Okay. But then I gain it straight back, obviously by eating cake like you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. And to go to the other extreme, does anyone get ill or die off fast, you know, Ramadan? Well, no, no one dies particularly off Ramadan. I mean, I suppose people get sick, yes. I know of, I know of uh, people, for example, even myself, I got sick during during Ramadan. But I didn't, it was only a small sickness. I know of some people that have gotten so sick they can't fast. And that's, that's fine. through not eating? That may be because, I mean, look, I wouldn't say it's necessary through not eating. I would just say because of many imbalances within their life. Mm-hmm. You know, you might, you don't really know exactly what those imbalances are, but it could just be the fact that they didn't have a good morning meal. So therefore they get sick in the afternoon and that carries on. And therefore they can't fast the next day and they can make it up later. Another thing actually to mention as well is that women in their menstrual cycle don't actually have to, are not prescribed, they're not supposed to fast. Okay. So if they're having the menstrual cycle, obviously it's a time where, you know, it's a bit different for them. It's a bit uncomfortable. So therefore, they're not supposed to fast during that time. But I guess a woman, she'll get that monthly. So Exactly. So during that time in which she, she can't fast, she just makes up the fast later on during the year before, next, before the next Ramadan. So there's, there's no specific time for her. She just, she's just going to make it up. Okay. So you're saying she does have to do it if she gets her menstrual before or when Ramadan starts? Correct. So... During the, obviously, time that Ramadan is on, if she gets her menstrual cycle during that time, she doesn't fast those days. Okay. But then thereafter, she just makes it up. Okay. So my sister, for example, she obviously uh, got her menstrual cycle through that time. So now she just makes up her fast maybe once a week, once a month, whatever. As long as those fasts are made up before the next Ramadan, it's fine. Okay. Wow. And then... So what um, happens after? I believe there's a big celebration yes. once the fasting has taken place. Yeah, so that's that's Eid. That's what you call Eid al-Adha. So that's essentially just end marks just marks the end of Ramadan. Um, generally, you, it's a time. You, you mentioned it's like bigger than Christmas. It's for Catholics. Yeah, it's, 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 like it's massive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because there's a meaning to it, I suppose. I think the interesting for me is that if you look at Christmas nowadays, it's become less of a religious holiday it's and more very of commercial. commercial. Yeah. But Eid. What we have is still very much a religious holiday, and only Muslims are really celebrating it, not just any old Tom, Dick, and Harry. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, hey, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I just want presents at Christmas, whatever. Yeah. But then presents is not normally a thing. It's normally just community come together. So normally, what happens is in the morning there's an Eid prayer. Everyone gathers at a mosque. There's an Eid prayer about half an hour, an hour, and mm-hmm. then people just go out to, to other people's houses, go see see their family, and and eat with their family and spend time with so their it's family. It's all coming together. It's coming together. Super eating. coming together. For the kids, we have presents and stuff if they want presents. They're supposed to keep it, you know, nice for them. And but, what's but, that? 
for it's Ramadan just, symbolizing? It's, it's just kind of, it's not really symbolizing anything more than it's just encouraging them that this is a good thing, yeah. if you know what I mean. Because if you have a good experience when you're a child, you're more likely to take that into your adulthood. Yeah, and then, of course, adopt that religion. Because I think in Australia in particular, it's not a very religious country. So if you can imagine a child growing up as a Muslim in Australia in particular, it's pretty difficult for them as it is. So giving them something, an incentive, is a good way to keep them on that faith when they get older, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there is, we are a religious country. It's just, I think, I mean, me personally as well, I Mm. I think I've lost a lot of faith in just, you see what's happening with the Catholic Church. Yeah, I I think Australia's always been more of a Catholic country. Mm -hmm. But you just see what's been happening. You just sort of are like, well, why are we supporting this when, Mm -hmm. you know, if you, the largest owner of real estate in the world you know, all the money they collect, it's, you know, they get tax-free write-offs. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother probably of topic course. of discussion. Whole other topic, yeah. But what I did want to ask was at what point during Ramadan does it get really hard? Because I'm sure a lot of people can relate to doing diets and fasting themselves and mm-hmm. most people get two weeks in and they're like, you know what, I made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's change let's this. Let's change it, yeah. So when does it get hard for you or when did it? Uh, I suppose like with anything, the middle of something. At the start, you've got all this energy, you know, and you're like, yeah, let's do it. And it's exciting, It's probably. exciting. Yeah. Towards the end, you can see the end. So it's like, yeah, it's coming towards... Oh, excuse this, phone call. Busy man. That's, uh, <laughs> that's actually my partner, by the way. So Hello. Hi, partner. <laughs> just ignoring the call, guys. <laughs> we'll just ignore that. Um, yeah, so... so She's like, what do you want to eat? We can exactly, do anything. Do anything, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the middle part's probably the hardest, and and you know, like for me, I'm spiritually connected to it, so <clears throat> it's quite easy. I suppose the middle part's harder because you don't have the motivation of the start or the end. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of you doing it yourself. So it's a good time for reflection. It's also you've been it there a while, and you kind of used to the routine, and it's about getting that motivation to just make it. So what gives you that motivation? Is it the, I mean, are you it's, praying more? Like you absolutely. So, so yeah, so spiritually you're, a lot, you're at the mosque a lot more, for example, because at night when you finish breaking your fast, there's some night prayers called the Tarawih prayers, and they only go off for about an hour, an hour and a half. And it's where, so the Qur'an is, was actually, the Qur'an, which is the book of the Muslims, was, was revealed, uh, the, one of the first verses was revealed in the month of Ramadan. So essentially what people, what, what they try and do, now the Qur'an is split up into about 30 parts. They call it juz. Every single night when you go to the mosque, the imam or the leader will recite one of those Jews off by heart. Okay. So they're actually, the people around the world, young kids even, that have memorized the Quran cover to cover. Mm-hmm. And they recite one of those uh, Jews or parts of the Quran every night. And so you mm-hmm. stand there and pray and you listen to it. And it's quite poetic. It's quite interesting, you know. Um, and what are some examples of the readings that you'd be hearing? Do you want me to recite something for you? Oh, I mean... I guess, is there a, are they the same readings every year you heard in So, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty much it, yeah. I mean, so, like, there's from... So, yeah, it's the same, it's the same readings every year because it's obviously from, from the Quran itself. So it's, you might do, I don't know, 25 pages first day, 25 the second, 25 the third. So it's the same readings, essentially. Yep, just different verses. And, so. and is it only in Ramadan you will go to the mosque every night or you do that in, I mean, every day? Some people do it every single day, but it's only in Ramadan that you have those extra tarawih prayers, the way the Quran is recited from cover to cover, mm-hmm. essentially. But during outside of Ramadan, yeah, we go to the mosque generally Fridays um, for Juma, which is the obviously congregational prayer, and then any time I want, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, as with your question, last question, go ahead, let's hear something, yeah, recite something from the Quran if you it's like. It's quite that would poetic. Be really, I'm sure it would be really lovely to hear. Okay, all right. It's going to be in Arabic. 
So I hope um, it's... I think you'll be able to translate for us. I can translate. I'll get my phone translation just to make sure I got it right exactly. So as I well. guess, on, say on the last day, do you remember what was said? So it's like a, a concluding of it all. Yeah, so I can... Hang on. I got, I, can I use my phone? Yes. Yeah. Is, is that all right? No, because I want to yes, do course. it properly. I want to do it properly, you know? Just, all right, so I'll, I'll, let me recite it first to you and then I'll explain. All right? Sounds good. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Maliki Yawmiddin Iyaka Na'abudu Iyaka Nasta'een Yahdina Sirat Al-Mustaqeem Sirat Al-Ladeen Alamta Alayhim Ghayl Al-Maghdubi Alayhim Wal-Dalleen Wow! So, it's trans- quite poetic, isn't it? So everyone's singing this together? Yeah, so the, basically the imam, I'll find a proper translation for you because I don't want to stuff it up. Um, so the imam, the imam You actually, can literally say anything and I feel like uh, yeah, no one's going to be able to... I know, I know, I know. It says, in the name of God, the most beneficent, the most merciful. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, all praise be to, to God. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the merciful, the entirely merciful. Madiki Yawmiddin, the one that we turn to. We only turn to you and we only ask you for help. So guide us in the right way. So guide us in the way in, in, those, in, the way in which you have guided the righteous and not in the way in which you have guided the wrong. Wow. Essentially like that. Simple. But it's, it always has its own meaning in place, yeah. which is really yeah. beautiful. Absolutely. I also, I guess, I wanted to ask you, and following on from that, Obviously, recently we had a tragic event in Christchurch. Mm-hmm. And how did that impact your community? Oh, massively, I think. It just, I suppose it, it's, it's because it's a terrorist attack. It makes people scared because at the end of the day, uh, Muslims in this country are a minority. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when something like this happens, it makes Muslims feel unsafe in the country they're in, particularly in a Western country. Um, all we want to do is be able to practice our religion freely and peacefully. Mm-hmm. And when someone goes into a place like a mosque, which is probably, if you've ever been to one, um, and there's mosque open days, it's probably the most quietest, peaceful place. Like you take your shoes off when you go in. When you go inside the mosque, you're not allowed to speak loudly. So it's a very quiet place. When someone goes and does that and attacks the very core of, uh, of what Muslims are about, it, yeah, it's, it's scary, I suppose. So it impacts on the Muslim community in a way of scary because just afterwards at our mosque, we had police outside the mosque for a week. Wow. Just, they just protecting, like literally. Set, did they voluntary go there or you asked? Voluntary, them? yeah. Okay. And then we, had, we now have a security guard. We have got two permanent security guards um, there every, every night. During, during the Ramadan, we had two permanent security guards there and we closed the gates at a certain time. We built barbed wire around. You know, rec- recently there was a guy that threw a pig's head over because oh. we don't eat pig, obviously. They threw a pig's head over uh, into the mosque, and then yeah. So, so those changes with the security card, the barbed wire, that was purely in uh, response to Christchurch. The barbed wire's there already, yes, but the security guards and um, the cameras were in response to, to Christchurch, yeah. Because look, at the end of the day, we obviously we believe that God protects us, but we do have to keep our wits about you. Mm-hmm. It's like the saying: tie your camel, and then let God do the rest. You know, don't leave your camel out so I can run away. Tie it up, and then if it, anything happens, that's, you know, that's. I haven't heard that one. Is that an yeah. Islamic saying? Yeah, it's a bit of a saying, yeah. Okay. yeah it's a bit of a saying. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said, tie your camel, and then if anything else happens, 
leave it up to God. But at the end of the day, prepare yeah. in life. Did those events stop people from coming? I think, no, in fact, I think it increased it, if anything. If anything, a lot of my community, from what I know of Southern, because I go to the mosque in Southern River, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them kept coming. In fact, there was more of a community that came. In fact, there was a lot of Christian churches that came and joined us and and supported us. Yeah, I did hear that in areas, Uh, and even all around the world. Absolutely. So I I would say that in in some respects, yeah, there might be some people that come, but for me personally, with my, you know, the community that I knew, it only just made them come to the mosque even more. Do you know what I mean? So, and your parents migrated here. Yeah, was that hard for them to continue on their faith here? So, just a quick thing: my father's not actually Muslim. My mother is. Yep, they've divorced actually, but it was incredibly hard for my mum to to continue her faith here. But if anything, she wasn't very religious when we were growing up. She decided to become religious later on. Um, and about I think in two thousand and nine, she decided to wear the headscarf um, as a symbol of, of her religion, obviously. And why? Then did she uh, Because I think she's probably more spiritually ready. Because we'd just gone on Hajj, which is a pilgrimage. Have you ever heard of the saying, the Mecca of all things? Mm. Do you ever know where that comes from? No. It's funnily enough, because Mecca is actually a place where Muslims go for pilgrimage. Yes, yeah. But heard that. all the world congregates there at one time. So that's kind of when you say the Mecca of all things, you're saying the biggest of all things, because like all the Muslims come there at once, basically. Okay. So right after we went, went to a pilgrimage to Mecca, we came back and she was kind of just more spiritually in tune with herself and she decided to wear the headscarf. But obviously, there's, she's had stories since of misinformation and ignorance and stuff like that. People, as in like verbal abuse. Yeah, to her. yeah. So she's she told me a story the other, other week of when she was. So she's a, she's a nurse. She's been a nurse for over forty years. She continues to do her job, and she was uh, treating a patient. And a patient in her mid thirties said, "Oh, you know, you're such a nice person, but you know, you guys are the enemy. I can't believe you're such uh. a nice person." And so, like, it's like you know, it's this amazing thing that she's treating a, a patient. Yeah helping her out in life and you know there's this dichotomy of like how can you take from that that she's the enemy so there's a lot of misunderstanding unfortunately how do you what do you think can help I mean this I feel is a great forum it just breaks down a lot of things Mm -hmm. I feel education is key and it's Mm -hmm. it's uncertainty and it's just lack of knowledge that makes people fearful yeah but what do you feel is a one stepping stone that we can you know the Islamic faith is seen less as, yeah, like that, like yeah. the enemy and something to fear. Well, I think just meeting Muslims, right? Just just actively going out and trying to... And, and it's the responsibility also is on us as Muslims to be able to, to, to be the best character, to have the best character. One of the best sayings of the Prophet, peace be upon him, Prophet Muhammad, who we believe to be the last and final prophet to mankind, he said that the best form of spreading your religion is not through teaching people it, but through your own good character. So be the best person you can in yourself, and then people will see that and get attracted to it, and then inquire, what is this religion? What is going on here? Do you know, what's this not? Um, so I, th- I feel that the responsibility is upon us to go out there and to be good Muslims in the community we're at, at the very, at the very surface. I think that's what, what it needs. And if, if you don't, I suppose, like, if you don't know something about Islam, just ask. Mm. Don't have this preconceived notion. Don't let the media spoon feed you all okay. this crap, because at the end of the day, like, you know, Clearly, if they're spoon-feeding all this stuff, it's for a particular agenda. Yeah. It's not for them. What are the reasons that you've, you like the Islam religion or you, you've stayed with it? I mentioned, you know, I'm myself and I know a lot of people, we've mm-hmm. sort of drifted away from more religion. I'm, I'm very much an advocate, just do good and do good to everyone and mm-hmm. just be, that, be a good person and good things yeah. will, you know, people will be nice to you and mm-hmm. why can't the world just live like that? But be nice in terms that. of religion, I understand everyone has their beliefs and why... 
was, you know, obviously you've bought up with it, but what you, you know, everyone has a choice. Why did you continue on? I suppose because I just saw it as a reality because Islam is a very simple religion at core. Like it's just believe in one God, do what he says to do, heaven or hell, done. Like it's not exactly just a complicated religion. So I suppose when I looked around at the world around me, I, for me, the idea of creation was made sense. It made sense because there was just a lot of a lot of things that were, frankly, unexplained. And so I think that I think that that it just it held truth within me logically. Mm-hmm. But on, the, on another level, it was spiritually as well, because it meant that I could always have something to turn back to, um, and an ultimate reality, an ultimate purpose. Because at the end of the day, Muslims, generally speaking, are supposed to be living for the afterlife. So anything that we do is supposed to be for the afterlife. So in, in a sense, like, a lot of people are like, oh, why is this world like this? Why can't we never have justice? Well, like, for me, it's kind of like, yes, that is true, but there's an ultimate justice. And I think that's, personally, I think that's going to happen when we die. Um, so there's always that in my mind. Is that a factor as well that contributes to people during Ramadan and they go, well, absolutely. This is, if I don't do this? Yeah, absolutely. So there's rewards and, and punishment as, as well as anything. But, um, but absolutely, yeah. I think every Muslim lives for the afterlife. Because the, the, the core of Islam, if you look at the Islam, comes from two root words. Um, it comes from the root word peace and submission. So two root words basically mean peaceful submission to the will of God. Um, and a Muslim is someone who tries to attempt to submit to the will of God. Okay. So it kind of people don't really actually know that. that yeah, that's new. So it's interesting, yeah. It's, new it's an interesting religion because I, what, what appeals to me is that if you look at Christianity, it's named after a... And I don't mind Christianity. It's named after a person or Christian, Christ. Judaism is named after a place. Buddhism is named after a man. Islam is named after a way of life. Islam, peaceful submission to the will of God. Do you know what I mean? So mm. that's, it's attractive. It's something that's like, hang on a sec, this is not just following something blindly. Personally, I think it's actually named after a lifestyle. Yeah. So. Adam, that's, yeah, that's beautiful and super enlightening about Islam and Ramadan and Mecca as well. Has yes. you, you've done Mecca. I've been to Hajj, so it's Hajj pilgrimage I have, yes. I've right. been there twice. Oh, yeah, amazing. Fantastic. Insane. I hope everyone's learned something from you here. And uh, thanks so much for teaching us more about no Islam and Ramadan. No problem at all. Thanks, heaps. Right. Thank you. See you guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Teach Me in 20. Even if you learnt just one thing, you should totally subscribe and hit me with a like. And that way you can keep learning with me each week some new stuff.